0: Welcome to episode two of season 10 of the Growing Empire Show. I'm here with my special guest, Adam Von Rommer, and we are going to talk all about the world of commercial real estate. So stay tuned.
1: Welcome to Growing Empires, hosted by real estate entrepreneur and trusted investment advisor, Jennifer De Jesus. Growing Empires provides insight to building wealth through passive income producing real estate investments for those who want to build and manage a more profitable real estate portfolio.
0: So welcome, Adam, to the Growing Empire Show. I'm so glad that you're here.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Let's kick off this episode with you sharing a little bit about yourself and how you got into the work that you're doing now in the commercial sure. real estate world.
1: Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, believe it or not, I got my start in about 1980 in Pennsylvania. Uh, <laughs> I, I grew up in central Pennsylvania, Lancaster, Lebanon, you know, Camp Hill, Mechanicsburg area. Family was a bunch of contractors. You know, I, I was an indentured servant, you know, at the age of 13. It was kind of like, yeah, you're not driving me nuts this year, son. Get on the truck. Uh, and <laughs> I, I found out that, you know, I had a, let's say, a certain penchant, if you will, for building and, and in particular for commercial stuff, schools, warehouses, self-storage facilities, things like that. And it just, it, it always intrigued me. And then I read a book by a guy named Robert Allen entitled Nothing Down. And I went and bought my first duplex at uh, when I was eighteen. Oh wow! Yeah, I bought a bought a duplex, and I don't think I was legally allowed to buy it, but you know, nobody bothered to ask, and I certainly didn't tell them. So <laughs> I I bought it, assumed the uh, I think it was a VA loan then, and from there I went on to buy uh, small apartment complexes, and most recently I have an industrial park. But, uh, you know, I started, let's say, on some very humble beginnings. I think my duplex was, I think it was a Princely 39 when I bought it. Oh, wow. And I think I, I, think I threw a whole like you know, $3,000 down or something. It was, it was funny. You know, and in retrospect, it's, it's pretty comical. But I bought that in Columbia, Pennsylvania. I bought a, an apartment complex in Marietta. And then through a series of, you know, unfortunate events, my family kind of spun and broke up. We ended up stuck with a bunch of houses and they, uh, they said to me, well, you're the one who can cipher pretty good. So you're going to get to sell these things. And, right. um, I got into, you know, got into the business very quickly found out that I do not have the temperament for residential. I, <laughs> I don't like, uh, you know, going on the caravan. I don't like doing showings. I don't like screaming kids in my luxury vehicle. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's not, it's not what I do. So I I did a transaction with a guy who borrowed, I think he took about 15000 dollars on a HELOC to buy a uh it was a four-unit, possibly five unit building in Lancaster. And Jen, you'll you'll get this, but every one of my stories has five parts, and I don't know how much time we have to for for this, but <laughs> yeah, there was there was a whole backstory to this and what he did and how he did it and how we put it together. You know, we we bought out a kid who had inherited it and we did a note and a mortgage. And, you know, just it was it was one of those things where, you know, it's like the the poster child of like nothing down using none of your own money. But it was actually right. his HELOC put it together and he ended up buying that thing for 40. I think it was forty nine nine. Right. But his actual net was like thirty nine nine or thirty, maybe forty three at the end of the day. Uh, he put his brother in law in it, fixed it up. Over the winter, he was laid off from Bethlehem Steel, and that following spring, after it was full, we sold it for one twenty nine nine. Holy! And wow. you know, he paid back the HELOC. He paid, uh, you know, paid the mortgage off, paid everything off, and then we did a ten thirty one, and we ten thirty one I think into a twelve unit next, mm-hmm. and then we ten thirty one into eighteen units. Wow! So yeah, and it, it was it was kind of fun because you know I found my niche. I also found out that uh, I wasn't quite as smart as I thought I was because I called a broker in town up and I said, "Hey, I've got a buyer for your property." And he says to me he goes, "Adam, are you a CCIM?" And I said, "Nope, don't even know what one is." He says, "Call <laughs> me back when you are." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so that was kind of my, you know, my start and introduction to the business. And from there, I just kind of kept going into Multifamily, uh, retail. Did a lot of I did a lot of leasing. I mean, I did a lease, for example, uh, and it was funny because everybody gets the whale story about the hundred million dollar deals. I've yeah. been at this forty years. I've never done a hundred million dollar deal. You yeah. Know, the biggest deal I've ever done was like fifteen million and it was a lease, but it was a twenty year lease and it was pretty substantial you know the the million you know the 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 billion dollar transactions i mean they just don't happen i've heard them all seen them all they they never existed or they blow up so it's just it's just not not you know it's not really where it's at as i said earlier um, you know i own an industrial park well i owned it uh until recently here in south florida and you know and i'll speak to that a little bit later on but i think that's really where the you know the, the market is right now. And that's one thing that your listeners have to understand is one of the, one of the constants in commercial real estate in particular is change. It will change and it cycles. And right. I've been through, I've been through four market cycles now. They're about seven to 10 years long. In fact, uh, let me back up a second. I've written to date, nine books. I'm an instructor. I have, or had two courses licensed for CEs here in Florida. And I had, uh, I want to say five courses licensed for CEs for attorneys, Mm -hmm. not talking about the legal aspects of it, talking about the economics. And that's, that's kind of what I want to kind of gravitate to today. So, um,
0: so for my listener that may not understand the residential or commercial well it's commercial world of real mm-hmm. estate in general do you want to explain quickly what CCIm means
1: well CCIm yeah CCIm is the it's a designation given to or given by the National Association of Realtors to About 6% of the entire population. What it required when I went through it was you had to take five graduate level courses, two electives, and then pass what they called the comprehensive course review, which was a six-hour open book, open prayer exam. (laughs) uh, You know, and it's funny too, because the the program then was designed to weed people out. Right. You know, you went to a class, there were 100 people in the class. At the end of the class, 42 were left standing. Yep. And the next class, you had, you know, the same, you know, the aggregation of a hundred from the last 42, and you had another 40 left standing. Uh, right. It cost me in total about $15,000. It took two years, and I had to show $20 million, I believe, in commercial transactions. And it's it's been likened to the PhD of commercial real estate. Now, I can tell you that, uh, you know, it doesn't save you from making boo-boos. Because <laughs> you know, I've, I've made a few, and you know, I'm not one of those gurus who doesn't tell you about them. I've blown my legs off plenty, but I think that's you know really instructive to your your career here when you're when you're trying to start out and build something. You're going to screw right. up. You're going to blow your own legs off. It's how yeah. you recover from it that, that's really going to make the distinction. So um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. You know, I, I I was thinking as you know we were getting ready for this. I believe you asked me a question about what I thought the most common mistake in commercial real estate was. And, you know, first off, they, they, they have to understand and define what commercial real estate is. For people right. just getting started, and, and I, I advocate this for anybody, if you can buy a, a single family home or a duplex, that's not commercial real estate, but it's a great start. And, and you really need to understand what it is you have and, and the metrics behind it. And you know, one of the things I encourage people as they go through this process is one, you take advantage of that 1031, but two, you've absolutely positively got to know beyond a reasonable shadow of a doubt, the value of your property at any given moment. And, you know, I also want to, to mention that that value, especially in income property, is driven entirely by the cash flow.
0: A hundred percent.
1: I agree. And yes. anything, you know, and the beauty of it for people getting started is anything under five units, you can get FHA loans on. Mm-hmm. When you start to get into the bigger things, you know, now you're talking about a different, you know, different metric. Under, right. you know, under five units, they look at the borrower. Over five units, they look at the asset.
0: The income, yeah. Look at the
1: income. So, you know, it's an entirely different world. But if you get your arms around it, I mean, literally, you can pyramid. I I mean, I've got, I've got a a guy right now that I've done business with, that I think I've sold him uh, three Walgreens and a CVS, right? And that's you know twenty eight million dollars. Wow. Well, how did he get started? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) A little warehouse building in Providence, Rhode Island. Right, but What he paid attention to was he paid attention to the market. He didn't hold out for the last nickel. When mm-hmm. he got to you know a nice a nice, comfortable profit, he sold, and then he took advantage of the ten thirty one tax deferred exchange right. So that's how he kind of leveraged up. and if you're if you're judicious and you're you're paying attention to that stuff, you can you can make a, a pretty good portfolio for yourself. Yeah. Um, example, I got one today. It's a $1.875 million warehouse. It's a two-cap. Oh, God. That's yeah. horrid. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good luck with that. Even in today's wow. market, a two-cap rate is ridiculous. Now, what happened? The owner and this this is one of the things that that your listeners have to pay attention to, decided not to raise the rents to market rates because she had had a relationship with the tenants for the last eight years. Right. So it's like this love fest, but her property's worth technically about half of what it's being sold for
0: because of the cash flow. So let me guess, she's like everybody, including all the people that live in Pennsylvania that think that they can sell their, their property based on a wish in a bottle and a future hope. <laughs> <Right>?
1: <laughs> well, I have a, I have a note here to myself to talk about the greater fool theory. <laughs> there's not, there's not somebody that's going to come down the road. That's, that's, you know, dumber than you and is going to buy your mistake. You're going to have to do right? something about it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just the way it is.
0: One of my questions for you was and you already started on it was what are some common myths surrounding commercial real estate? So one is not knowing what commercial real estate really means, but the other one is being a fool and thinking that somebody's going to buy what you wish it oh, could be. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, no. I'll tell you the one and 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 people usually freak out when I say this, but the one that drives me absolutely insane is especially, you know, especially when you go to the the um, like the investors meetings and stuff, everybody's yeah. running around talking about cap rates. Right. Okay. And I, I want you to make a note of this, that Adam Von Romer on November 19th of 2021 said cap rates are doo-doo. They're meaningless. <laughs> right. Well, and, and let me tell yeah. you why. The cap rate only compares the net operating income against the purchase price for the last day of that year. Right. Okay. So how many investors buy a property for the last day of that year?
0: Yeah, Exactly.
1: It just, it, it just doesn't make, now, does it serve as a, a rule of thumb or a guidepost? Yeah, absolutely. But it, let, try this one on, John. Here you go. I'll sell you my office building at a two cap. You take her? No way. Okay. Well, let me, let me, let me paint a different picture for you. Okay. What I didn't mention was that I just signed a 50-year lease with AT&T. Okay, that's a different story. And they're going to load up my building <laughs> eighty, you know, eighty percent of my building will be taken up by AT and T for the next fifty years. It's a two cap today. It's yeah. a ten cap in a month. Right. That's the problem with cap rate. Or conversely, I've got a, an eight cap on a building, and you know, the tenant has a go dark clause, and they have a ninety day right to terminate. And yeah. the you know the event precedent to that just happened. So my 10 cap just turned into a two cap on the back end. The episode will continue in just a moment.
0: As an investor, we know it's important to stay on top of market trends and real estate opportunities that add value to your portfolio. We also know that having a trusted source of reliable information to help you stay a step ahead of other investors is critical to your success. If you're interested in having these types of resources, as well as access to me and my team, I invite you to join the Empire Investment Club, a free service that gives you an easier way to make sense of today's and tomorrow's real estate opportunities. As a member of the Empire Investment Club, you'll get access to relevant resources and investment-focused experiences, such as live interactive webinars, market trend presentations, and investor socials designed to equip you with what you need to succeed. So whether you're an active investor, passive investor, a combination of both, or just starting out, the club is where you'll get what you need to build a portfolio you love. To join, just head over to jenniferdejesus.com, sign up, and we'll see you in the club, where everyone's on a journey to becoming a better investor. Yeah. I always say, you know, when people are talking to me about cap rate, I said, cap rate, what about the cash flow? How about Oh yeah. <laughs> how about we how about we talk about what is truly important here? Let's talk about, you know, mm-hmm. cash flow. But mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, cap cap rate is a you know, to me, it's like a it's like a first pass kind of look at a property. Absolutely, right? a first Absolutely. pass, right? Absolutely, because you want to you obviously want to look at a bunch of deals before you decide which ones are the right ones, and you've got to source you know multiple deals before you find the right one, oh, right? Yeah. But it's like a first pass, right? Mm-hmm. Does it look Absolutely. good on the surface, right?
1: Absolutely. You know? Well, the the deal I talked about earlier for one point eight seven five million, uh huh. There's a guy chasing it right now, and he's you know he's giving me a hard time about the two percent cap rate. Mhm. And I told him, you know, we've got we've got long-term leases. So he's you know running around like his head's on fire, but we've got weak tenants number 1. And this is the thing that that really makes it kind of interesting. He owns all the other buildings on the block. Oh wow. Yeah. Is is and this is the corner property. Right. This is the one that's right on the corner. Do you think that's compelling? Very. Is that a reason to overpay? No. <laughs> well, I think so, because he's going to control the whole market.
0: Well, that's true. I guess it depends on what it is and where it is, right? And it,
1: well, and it, well, it's an industrial, small industrial building. But as those yeah. tenants go out, guess right. what happens? The income in that property is going to double almost overnight. Right. So even though it's, a, you know, it's like a two cap today, right? in let's say the next, over the next 36 months, this thing is going to be about a 12 cap. Yeah, that's why I said, and you said it. You said we've got to look mm-hmm. at the cash flow. From cash my flow. perspective, I look at internal rate of return, and I know that's way mm-hmm. beyond the scope of what we're talking about. But right. all that is is the inverse of the cash flow. Right. I'm looking at my yield based on the cash flow, and it's just a, it's just a little bit more sophisticated way to dial things in. But I think the biggest mistake that people make, and the other one that goes right out the window, I don't want to hear about gross rent multipliers or gross income multipliers. That's that. It's completely meaningless. Yeah. It, it takes. It makes no consideration for expenses, capital improvements, none of that stuff. No vacancy. Right. No nothing. And you'll. You. I'm sure you hear it all the time.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: So it's course. just. To me, it's just silly.
0: So. What do you find is a major difference between, you know, somebody that wants to purchase like larger apartment buildings versus commercial buildings. What are you seeing in your marketplace as distinct difference between the two? And do you have a preference? I mean, oh, I, know yeah. you spend a, I know you definitely spend a lot of time and you're exclusively into commercial real estate, but you've also had, you know, your own apartment buildings. So, you know, what made you make the transition from that apartment building initially to those commercial buildings and where do you feel right now is the sweet spot in the marketplace?
1: Well, you know, that's that's a great question. I owned apartment buildings, and I will tell you that I will own apartment buildings long enough to sell them and 1031 into an industrial building. Okay. Right now, and I, again, right now, you've got to look at what's going on in the marketplace. I do only industrial and investment real estate. Uh, the last house I sold was about 29 years ago, and it was by accident. It was for a family member who said, hey, can you buy, find me a house? I'm like, yeah all right i'll I'll do it grudgingly, but you know for for somebody who's getting started, I think that the perfect because of the size and the price point, the perfect place for somebody to get started is in the duplexes, the triplexes, you know five units, eight units, et cetera. and then just keep pyramiding that again, using the ten thirty one once you've got to you know i I, I should say like a critical mass. That's the time to start looking at other product types. I personally think that industrial is going to be very, very strong for the next several years. And it's because of all the last mile distribution that's going on. I mean, literally, I ordered, I ordered toner cartridges yesterday morning and they were there yesterday afternoon. You know, so it's, it's a lot of that logistics that's absorbing the space. And, and your, your market, Lehigh, Lehigh Valley, oh, is yeah. nuts. It's, it it's on par with us down here in South Florida.
0: Yeah, it is. It is 100% the logistics capital of the East Coast for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely.
1: Now, understand, sure. understand, Jen, that that's going to change over, you know, over time. It'll probably dr- pull back again. Mm-hmm. And if we have any major, um, let's say, hiccups in the economy. We'll, right. we'll see that, you know, kind of drop off. But, you know, my, my thought process is if you've got single family homes, if you've got duplexes, if you've got triplexes, if you know it and it's working, do more of it. Just right. 1031, aggregate the dough, buy a bigger property. Trade and then up, when yeah. you get, you know, when you get to a certain, what you believe to be a critical mass, you know, then, then look at something else. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I would not, I would not buy any special purpose properties. I'm not buying into, you know, golf courses or anything like that. Right. I'm not a big fan of retail. I think retail's got problems.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's well, going to be some. It's but, volatile. It's oh, very, yeah. very volatile. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, there's a there's a book out a number of years ago called The Sleeping Scale of Investments. It was a, written by a guy named Burton Malkiel. It's about, uh, you know, what to invest in. And he talks about, and he, he couches the book with things like, well, if you buy this, you get a full night's sleep and a nap in the afternoon. And <laughs> by the time he gets to the other end of the scale, it's like you can't sleep and you've chewed your, you, you chewed your fingernails down quick. <laughs> so, you know, I, I want your, your listeners to think about that. What's performing now will not be performing in seven to 10 years. Right. But look at what's safe. Look at the trends again i am not a fan of retail multifamily is good but it's a little bit of a question mark for example the thing that really kind of got me was the you can't throw tenants out for not paying rent well yeah somebody comes in first less and security and they're in your apartment for the next year and yeah you know, the the covid prevents you from from you know getting rid of them and i, and I understand i'm not trying to be a you know uh I don't know social, uh, you know, deterrent or something like that. I get the need for that, but think about the landlord. Now he's got a mortgage, okay. and I can assure you, the bank isn't going ah, now nah, forget about it. You know, when you get around to paying the mortgage, pay the mortgage. Right? Uh, that's not how they operate, and you know they are certainly not going to forgive and forget. They want to get paid, and they want to get paid on a monthly basis. While we're talking about mortgages, the other thing I want to make, and I want to really kind of hammer home is that the people that are listening should understand that the single biggest cause of failure in investing in properties that I have seen over the last 40 years is people who over leverage.
0: Completely agree.
1: I mean, I did 208 loan modifications and workouts back in the you know, the, the crisis, the recent crisis, all commercial hotels, uh, apartment complexes all over the country. And the biggest denominator that I saw was they over leveraged. Right. And and that'll eat you alive.
0: So how do you what would you advise for somebody to make sure that they don't over leverage themselves? Do you use a certain metric? Do you use a certain calculation of cash flow? Is it just setting expectations up front about what you're buying and what the needs are going to be?
1: Well, there's an old expression that you buy your profit and you realize it when you sell. So when you're investing in commercial real estate, you're buying your profit today. You get to reap the rewards of it, you know, five, 10 years later. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, I would look at the market very carefully today, and I would suggest that I would not want to see leverage beyond sixty-five to seventy-five percent, unless there's a real compelling reason, right? You know, unless you've got a story, like you know, you've got a five unit that's completely vacant, and mm-hmm. it's you know an eighty uh, percent you know LTV on the cost, right? Well, if you turn around and fill it up, it's one hundred twenty-nine thousand. Now you're you know your LTV's down to sixty percent, right? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But you can't leverage stuff. And, and you know, understand, like today, you'll see people offering apartment buildings for five and six caps or four yeah. caps. Well, if the cost of capital is 3.75% right. and you're pay, getting a 4 or 5% yield, how much of a downturn can you withstand? Right. You're toast. That,
0: yeah, that's very true. And that goes back to kind of those inflated prices that, oh, you yeah. know. If your cash flow doesn't justify the price that you're asking, you're over, you know, you're overpaying or yeah. somebody's overbuying, you know. Exactly. One of the
1: two. Well, I, I joke about it being like having an alligator in your backyard. As long as you keep feeding them, you know, you yeah. get that cash flow going, everything's fine. But when you stop feeding that alligator, guess who's next on the menu?
0: Yeah, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> not a, Not a good scene.
0: Thank you for listening to part one of my special guest interview with Adam von Brahmer. Please make sure you stay tuned to our next episode where we continue our conversation on the world of commercial real estate. Until next time, take care.
1: For more information about how Jennifer can help you plan, develop, and manage a strong real estate investment portfolio, visit growingempires.com.